Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for the opportunity to be here together with my brothers and sisters. And as we talk and review a few final things in this, in this session, Father, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to be with us. I just ask for your words, your anointing. Father, pray that you would hide me behind the cross and that you would be exalted. You know how desperately I need you this morning, Father. I don't have what I need to share, but I know that you have a message that you want to be shared, and so I'm just asking that you would speak through me. Thank you so much for hearing and answering this prayer and for giving us what we need today. In your precious name, amen. I wanted to, to do kind of a, a little bit review of, of what we've already done but you know as i've been talking about this week i could talk about i could talk about you know you want to start a prayer ministry in your church for example or you want to do this and that and i and i could give you bullet points you know do this you know go to your pastor write out this plan do this this is how you lead a prayer time etc but you know nobody ever did that with me it was never a process of you know, this is what you need to do to have a prayer ministry. This whole prayer ministry that God grew in my life and is still growing in my life grew out of my walk with Him. It grew out of my own time on my knees. Where I'm just crying as I'm reading my Bible and I'm saying, Lord, I want more. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how to pray. I don't, you know, so it's just my own personal walk. And as that personal walk is growing and I'm asking Him, you know, what are the breaches? How, how, how can I have a pure heart towards you? How can I be um, closer to you? He's showing me things in my life. And it's a surrender process. And sometimes I surrender today. I'll share some stories as I go through this morning. Some things I surrender today, I take back tomorrow, you know? And then I have to re-surrender. And so it's a continual uh, process. But it's through this process that God's been growing in my own life that then he began to open up doors for prayer ministry. And then he began to bring people on board and um, give opportunity to share. And so it's been a growing process. You know, different people will come to me and say, I want to have a prayer ministry. Bless you. <laughs> I want to have a prayer ministry like you do. Or how do I, you know, you, you have a book that's published and, and that's been successful. How do I write a book? Tell me how to write a book. And I'm like, it's not like I can just tell you how to do this. It comes out of a life of obedience and really consecration. And I'm not holding myself up as an example. I'm not meaning to do that because I'm very faulty and I fail. And I'm having struggles every day just like you guys do. Um, but it's, it's just a continual process in our walk with God. And so that's why I'm emphasizing so much over this week not necessarily a bunch of do's and don'ts. There are more specific things. I have another series that we did back at GYC in December. Myself and Jim Castor, he's another amazing young man, little Filipino guy, just on fire for God. And he has a prayer ministry all around the world as well. And we did a series together on, on prayer ministry, kind of do's and don'ts in prayer ministry and how to ruin your prayer ministry and how to grow. And we talked about dealing with problem issues and, and different things. And that series is on audioverse. If you look under the GYC sessions from this last, last year. So there are more do's and don'ts, obviously. But my really big burden in this week is really to see us go deeper in our own walk with God, deeper consecration because that is where your ministry is going to grow from. And it's all going to look different. Our ministries aren't necessarily all going to look the same. But even if God does not call you to a public prayer ministry, He's calling you to prayer. And He's calling you to work through the power of His Spirit. And you're not going to be able to do that in whatever capacity you're serving unless you are in prayer. And how do we have success in prayer it's through that life that is really desperately holding on to God and seeking to surrender to His will. So, uh, I have the title Above and Beyond Surrender, um, but what I'm actually going to be going through is 
I have seven keys, but I've changed this. Like I said, I was just changing everything here at the last minute this morning. It's actually nine, nine keys to daily revival and abundant living. And basically it's nine things that we're going to, to remind ourselves as, as we go forward um, that must be part of our life. And number one is humility. I've already talked a lot about this. You know, I think it's interesting. Man can accomplish nothing without God, and God has arranged his plan so as to accomplish nothing in the restoration of the human race without the cooperation of the human with the divine. The part man is required to sustain is immeasurably small. How small is that? Can you measure it? <laughs> now, do you see here the part that, we're, that we are actually given is immeasurably small? It's really not even worth mentioning. And yet, we are told, in the plan of God, it is just that part that makes the work a success. So God gives us a part, but Lord have mercy, forgive us for our puffed up attitude about the role that we play in the work. You know, Lord, forgive us. It is his work, not ours. We need to keep a spirit of humility. I don't know. I, I love these different quotes. Pride doesn't listen, it knows. Have you ever met somebody? And you're like, they just do not have an ear to listen. And unfortunately, I've met prayer ministry leaders that are this way. You know, this is my prayer ministry. I know how it goes. I'm not going to, you know, and we kind of get a little territorial with things. And I'm like, what's the point? This is God's work, not ours. Let's grow together. So no matter what you do, if you're wanting to start a prayer ministry or whatever, I'm, I'm saying stay at the foot of the cross. Stay humble and don't be a know-it-all. You know, you can come back from camp meeting and you can say, I learned such and such in seminars and I did this and we experienced this prayer time and this is, you know, we have to have a spirit of humility. And we really demonstrate it by our life. It's not necessarily by what we try to teach. Pride listens. Yes? It's interesting you said it because I'm like, okay, I'm learning all this. And how am I going to go back to my church? I just don't want to. Yeah. But I'm going to really spend a lot of time in prayer and get people on board, share the book, and see how the Lord leads. And that is... That's really what you need to do. Right. And I tell people, you know, don't go back with a big plan to, we're going to just make all these changes, or we're going to do this, or, you know, yeah. whatever. My, my thing is really find another sister or brother or a couple people that have a similar mindset and that really have a burden to go deeper, to see your church go deeper. And don't try to revolutionize your whole church at once. Just start with those couple people that are on board and then just start praying, humbly praying. And then humbly as God leads, you know, invite more people and, and make sure your pastor is on board and understands um, what you're, you're wanting to do. And so work in humility. So often um, we, we go forward because we know we're right, and we know we've seen, and we go forward and we plow people, and then we, we lose the, the fruitful soil. If pride and selfishness were laid aside, five minutes would remove most difficulties. And so we have to pray for humility. We are not naturally humble people. I think this is interesting. Um, Ellen White writes that God um, cannot bestow his blessings in fullness um, for one, because we're corrupted with the practices and spirit of the world, but also there's spiritual pride. And should the Lord work as his heart longs to do, it would but confirm in those people their self-esteem and self-exaltation. So we need to pray. Okay, number two. And at the end, at the very end, I'm going to have a slide that has all nine points. Um, so you'll see them all together. Number two, give God your will. And I cannot emphasize this strongly enough either. It is not our willpower that is going to gain the victory in our personal life, in our ministry, in anything we do. 
we don't have enough grit and determination to be the Christians that he's calling us to be. <laughs> we don't have enough grit and determination to be patient, to be loving, to, you know, to bite our tongue. And like I said yesterday, we can bite our tongue, but inside we're still fuming. And that's what we're judged by is, is the heart. God looks on the inner, man looks on the outer. So give God our will. Um, daily surrender is kind of like peeling an onion. And I'm continually finding God is continually peeling away new layers. And I'm thinking, Lord, didn't we just, you know, and he says, yes, but now we need to go a little deeper or now we need to, you know, and it's like an onion. I remember a conference, we had a, we had a, a big prayer room at, after one of the prayer sessions, we found this watch on a chair and we thought somebody had left it. It's very, very beautiful kind of ornate watch. And there was this note with a watch that was interesting. This watch has not been forgotten, but is being surrendered. I knew better and I should have never bought it. It's become an idol to me. There have been many layers in my heart and now there's one layer less. Somebody was convicted that that was an idol and they surrendered it. And you know, God is continually doing that in our lives. I can't tell you, you need to give up your watch or you need to give up this food or you need to whatever. You know in your heart what God is convicting you to do. And each of us are on that own um, personal journey. Just tell me to step aside so you can get a picture there. And we're constantly having our struggles. And I relate. I struggle. You know, I remember one time uh, something that I struggle with is, is and, and I'm not saying it's, <laughs> it's wrong to look nice or want to have nice clothes. I'm not saying that. But we can be overly extravagant in the money that we waste on our wardrobe. And I remember something one time that I, I wanted to get, and it was a little bit more expensive, but I just like really wanted it. But the Holy Spirit convicted me. I didn't need to spend the money on that. I, I mean, I'd be putting it on the credit card or whatever, and I didn't need to do that. So I kind of walk around the store with this clothes item, and then I kind of reluctantly put it back on the rack, and I leave. But I come back a few days later, and I want it, and it's still there. And so I pick it up again, and I mean, I know the Holy Spirit's telling me, you don't need that, but I really want it. So I kind of drown out the voice. And so I ended up buying it and taking it home. But I put it on my rack at home, and I can't wear it because I'm convicted. I shouldn't have bought it to start with. And so I return it. I take it back. I didn't wear it. Can you believe a week or two later, I went back and I bought it again? <laughs> I don't think it was ever on sale. But anyway, I mean, it's not like the, the, the clothes item was bad or whatever, but I just knew I didn't need to be spending the money on that at that time. So I bought it again. I was convicted. I couldn't wear it, but I just, I don't know if I thought, you know, if I leave it in my closet long enough, the conviction will go away <laughs> or what? I mean, I was just battling. And finally, I, I don't think I, I don't think I ever did wear it. I don't, I think what happened is I tried to return it later and by then they wouldn't take it back because it had, so I ended up being miserable. I ended up wasting the money <laughs> and I never, never wore what it is I wanted to wear anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's kind of embarrassing, but these struggles that we have are very real. And, you know, sometimes that, well, why, you know, why are we nitpicking? Why are we talking about these things? You know, I really learned God has to be Lord of our life in every area of our life. And he, if he is not the Lord, of the mundane daily details of our life, then he's not the Lord of our life. You know that? He has to be Lord of all the details of our life. And so that's why we are continuing uh, to surrender. Now I wanna address one other issue, and that is the area of diet. And I know this might walk on some toes, but I'm walking on my own toes first. This is a struggle for us. Ellen White says in Councils on Health, the relation which exists between the mind and the body is very intimate. When one is affected, the other sympathizes. The condition of the mind affects the health of the physical system. Okay, so we work together. I'll tell you another struggle I had. I love sugar. I don't know if anybody has that same struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm blessed because I'm allergic to cheese and I get very sick if I eat cheese products. So cheese is not a problem for me. I can, whatever. I wish I was allergic to sugar. <laughs> but, you know, we love sweet things. And I remember we, I was with the general conference team over in Romania a couple years ago, and we were doing this evangelistic series. And someone gave us this double max chocolate, whatever, 
I mean, I'm not going to say that's a sin to eat that. But at the time, I was praying, Lord, please give me victory over my appetite and my tendency to, you know, eat too much sweet and, and everything like this. And so when we pray that prayer, he's going to speak to us when we, you know, when we're going against it. Anyway, some friends had given us one of these, and I ate it when I was in Romania, and then I was kind of convicted about it. But then we were leaving to come home, and we went to a shop, and we're getting some things to take back. And I saw some of these, and I'm like, I want to take some back, because these are really good. And so I bought some, and I think I might have been convicted in the store, but there was just so much going on, I didn't really listen to that conviction. I, I came home with five of these things. And, and the Holy Spirit is convicting me. You, you don't need to, to eat this. You need to get rid of this. So I gave four of them away and I kept one. <laughs> and the one is calling to me from the cupboard. <laughs> you know, you need to eat me. I'm here. Don't forget me, you know. And I kept, you know, resisting and resisting. And it was a week or so and I didn't touch it, you know. I felt like I shouldn't eat it, but I was still saving it in my cupboard. And finally, kind of in frustration this one day, I'm like, I thought this to myself. This is so crazy. Well, if I just eat it, the temptation will go away. <laughs> That's a brilliant idea. If we just do it, then the temptation will be gone. So I did. I ate it. And at the time, I was actually studying um, for some things that I was writing on the topic of dying to self and surrender. I'm eating in my chair, and I put the wrapper down on the floor on top of this stack of papers. And I look over at that. This is actually a picture I took on my living room floor where the wrapper landed. And I was like, oh, Lord, <laughs> what did I just do? Okay, well, if there's anything that's good going to come out of this, it's going to be a sermon illustration. <laughs> Anyway, but you know, just because, like I say, we gain, we gain victory, it's the continual pull. And, and some days you're stronger and some days you're not. Um, and I have, to, I have to say, there's such a connection between our mind and our body. There really is. And the reason that I'm bringing this up, if we want to have that intimate, close connection with God, and we really want to, to be able to have the full power of what he wants to do in us, we need to keep the channels clear. And I know that I'm so much more clear when I'm eating healthfully. I don't always eat healthfully, you know, and I still indulge on dessert sometimes too much. In fact, this week at camp meeting, somebody I saw walking around with one of these ice creams from the, the store down the street. And I was like, I, wanna, I want one of those. I keep hearing about them. And so I went down and got one. I got um, a little thing of ice cream. And I'm not saying it's wrong if you did this, okay? But I'm just saying I noticed a difference. Because the next morning when I got up, every morning here at camp meeting, I've been, I've been getting up and I've been pretty fresh and having my time with God and preparing to come and, and speak and share. Um, but this was yesterday morning because I got the ice cream Wednesday afternoon. I woke up yesterday morning and I was very foggy. I still had my time with God. You know, I pushed through and I was like, God, I can't do this without you. And I know that he's still blessed, but mentally I was really struggling yesterday morning more so than usual. And I was like, yeah, it's because I indulged so much last night. You know, there's a connection. And, and so I can tell that. It was totally different this morning. I, you know, woke up and I was clear. I was awake with the birds singing uh, 4.30 this morning. It was really beautiful. Listen to this on the appetite. The controlling power of the appetite will prove the ruin of thousands when, if they had conquered on this point, they would have had moral power to gain the victory over every other temptation of Satan. And I know that when I am walking in surrender in this area, God, that actually goes out to the other areas. God gives strength uh, to many other areas to resist temptation. And I've seen the correlations. So, you know, we live in a day and age. We can choose. Are those your donuts there? No, it's not my donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I love the picture, though. Yeah. I'm actually not a donut fan, but uh, I thought that they're a great, great illustration. Yes. But we have everything we can choose. Um, and we can't overcome in our own strength. We have so many allurements of of the enemy and 
Again, you know, I want us to be careful about pointing the fingers and, and being too judgmental of each other. Ellen White says, um, our conscience is not meant to be a criterion for others. In other words, my conscience is not to be over your conscience. You really shouldn't be doing that, you know, whatever. No, that's between you and God. My conscience is, is, is me, and, and we're all having our things, but we need to, instead of pointing the fingers and looking at what everybody else is doing. Lord, change me. How do you want to take me deeper? How, how are you needing me to surrender? It's about what he does in us. And I love this, this encouragement from counsels to the church. If we're determined not to be separated from the source of our strength, Jesus will be just as determined to be at our right hand to help us. So we can't fight this battle in our strength. <laughs> we can't do it in our strength, but we can do it in his Jesus sympathizes with the weakness of men. He came to earth that he might bring to us moral power. However strong the passion or appetite, we can gain the victory because we have divine strength to unite with feeble efforts. I love that. I love that, and I already mentioned that. You know, God can do more with one man or woman who's 100% committed to him than with a whole <laughs> army of men and women who are only partially committed or 99% committed quote from John Wesley. So this is a daily, a daily surrender, a daily death. Okay, key number one, um, eating daily of God's word. And this is already a given, but I just want to challenge you in your personal time with God to pray that he would take you deeper. Okay. When we open God's word in the morning and we spend time in his word, um, that's the most important thing is, is that we're meditating on the scripture and you don't have to do a big study, you know, the, the devotional time in the morning, especially if you're leading in ministry or pastor, or whatever, this is not the time to be preparing your sermons, to be preparing your arguments or whatever. This is time to grow closer to God. This is time to pray, Lord, change me. Show me what you have for my life today. Feed, feed me. And it, it sounds selfish, but it starts with pleading that he feeds us. And as he feeds us, then we have bread to give to others. But I do want to challenge you in your time with God to go deeper. You know, God has given us this treasure map, which is his word, the Bible, right? And the treasure in the word is Jesus. And when you spend time in, in the word, I want to challenge you to look for Jesus now, I wish that I had time to do a whole session on this because this is just beautiful, learning to see Jesus in the scriptures. Um, and we could do a study and I could have you get in little groups and say, take a few minutes and look for Jesus, and it would just be beautiful. The Bible's full of symbolism. We see all these different things in the Word of God, and all, all of these things we see point to Jesus. And just looking, um, for example, in the story of creation, you know, Genesis one and two, we see how the world was created and life came forth and all these different things. As we look just in the story of creation, where do we see Jesus in the story of creation? He's the creator. He's the light of the world. He's the word that divides the light from the darkness, that two-edged sword. But if you look at the very first verse in the beginning... Think of Revelation 1.8. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. There are so many beautiful parallels that we would normally read right over. In the beginning, God, da-da-da-da. In the beginning. He's our beginning. He's our end. He's everything in between. Uh, this is a beautiful thing, and I, I, I don't take credit for this. Pastor Myers teaches this when he talks about um, seeing Jesus in the scriptures. And that is, um, we see what happened with Adam in the Garden of Eden and how God put him to sleep and, and took a rib out of his side and, and Eve and, and brought him Eve. And he brings out the comparison how the same happens um, with Jesus. You know, Jesus was put to sleep or put in the grave and out of his side flowed blood and water, but actually out came his church and his bride. So as Adam was put to sleep and out came his bride, Jesus went to sleep in the grave. He died 
that his bride would come forth. And it's just beautiful. So many illustrations. You look at the story of Joseph. Jesus, Ellen White talks about a lot of these things. There are so many beautiful pictures of Jesus. You think of um, Joseph during the time that he was in the dungeon. I have pages and pages of these, actually. I was studying out a while back. It's just beautiful. Joseph in the dungeon, he's surrounded the butler and the baker. One ends up dying, one ends up living. Think about Jesus on the cross. He's surrounded by uh, the two thieves. One ends up being saved and choosing salvation, and one one dies. You go on and on. There are stories of Jesus. And if you would like to go deeper in this, I recommend these two books specifically um, that talk about seeing Jesus in the scriptures. Now, don't go and read these books and get all the answers. What I, use, what I would use these as would be reference books. Shadows of Light, Seeing Jesus in the Bible by Doug Batchelor, um, and then Operation Blueprint um, by Pastor Ivor Myers. But in this book, especially Shadows of Light by Doug Batchelor, what you can do is you can go and you can see the story that he's going to talk about, and then go yourself and study the story. And, and look for Jesus in the story. And then after you've done that, then go and look at what he shares. And it really will add some depth. But you know, again, I don't want to, I'm not trying to encourage you to make your devotions complicated, but just in your simple reading of the word, as you're going through in the morning, how can you see Jesus? This morning I was reading um, 2 Corinthians 8. And I was meditating on the verses 11 and 12, which is talking about he gives us a readiness to will. Um, and it's, it's actually our, our, our will that he's looking for. He's looking for the cheerful heart, the cheerful giver, the one who's, who's willing. Um, I shouldn't just try to, well, actually, I have it right here. Yeah, I think this was, oh, I've actually been doing other things because I was at, the devotion. Now therefore, yeah, 2 Corinthians 8, verses 11 and 12. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that is, there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also. Verse 12, for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted what a man has and not what he has not. You know, we're told, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So he's, he, he's looking for that willing mind and heart. And he's given us that. He wants to dwell in us through the Holy Spirit. So we will have that willing mind. You know, it's not so much about our talents or what we do or what we don't do or what we know or what we don't know, but the heart. Do we have a heart? Do we have a willing heart? Okay, key number four, use the key of prayer. Pray God's, pray God's word often. I've been talking about praying the scriptures. If we would truly understand... Um, all the activity of, of human instrumentality as it appears before God, we would see that only the work accomplished by much prayer, which is sanctified by the merit of Christ, will stand the test of the judgment. Only the work accomplished by much prayer. And I mentioned this quote a couple days ago as well. Grasp his promises as leaves from the tree of life. And that's why I've been sharing these prayer and promise cards grasp his promises as prayers, uh, uh, as leaves from the tree of life. This is the healing leaves that he has given us in this life. In this life, this is the healing leaves that we have received. No, we're not going to receive healing over every, um, every disease and every infirmity. We're not going to receive deliverance from every persecution as we learned in worship this morning with Jason, which is powerful. I was like, yes. We are just so here on the same track. The Holy Spirit's bringing all these things together. But this is the strength that we need to get through the trials. This is the strength that he gives us to cope with loss. I mean, thinking about the fact our lives are actually being willing to die. And before we go to the mission field, before we do this or that, we're already making the decision, I choose to die. You know, and so I think of the couple, I think the couple that he mentioned, um, John and Betty Stam, I've studied their story. And people tried to dissuade them from going to the mission field because they said, you might die. And I think it was them that said, we already did that. We already chose to die before we went. So if he chooses to allow us to die, that's okay. We already died to self, you know. 
But these are the promises that give us strength. We can't be martyrs. We can't endure persecution. We can't endure the loss without losing our mind if it were not for the grace of God. And we have to be in his word. Just believe and praise God and go forward. We're almost home. Bear your whole weight on the promises of God. Believe. It's your privilege to believe. Believe. It is our privilege to believe. Here's another one. The honor of his throne is staked for the fulfillment of his word unto us. His word will be fulfilled. Not always in the exact way that we think or hope or pray, but it will be fulfilled. And here's the prayer and promise cards. And if any of you are joining today for the first time, um, these are all downloadable. Um, you can download the whole set. There's over 100 cards that I've put together, as well as blank pages, which you can create your own prayer promises. You can do it on the computer, or you can do it by hand. These are all downloadable from revivalandreformation.org. So it's on the GC Revival and Reformation website. Under the top recommended resources, you'll see them. Or you can look for, you can search for my name, and it would show up under that as well. I want to share another illustration. Um, what topic are we on right now? This is four. What was the praying the word? Praying the word. Okay. You know, as we're praying God's word, it's very, very important that we're surrendering our will to him. Because back to the whole willpower thing, I think I was starting down this vein a few moments ago and I got sidetracked. As we are surrendering to him, our willpower is not what's going to give us the victory. It's his power. But as we submit to him, he's able to work in us to do what we could not normally do. And that's when he abides in us and, and everything. So we have these struggles. We have these struggles. And a few, um, few months ago, several months ago now, I was really struggling. I was um, struggling with some things that were going on. And I was still positive on the outside. People generally consider me a positive person, and I try to stay that way. But sometimes, you know, inside you're struggling, and you're like, yeah, but that's not how I am inside. It's just like, Lord, da-da-da-da, you know, and you're kind of complaining, and, and there's a little frustration and, and, and a little resentment sometimes. And so I, this had been a couple weeks, and I, I was just kind of struggling with some things. And I began to recognize I need God to change my attitude. I need him to change my heart because I do not have the heart and the spirit right now that I need. And so um, it was actually my birthday, and I was home alone that day, and I just started praying with tears in my eyes and with the word before me, Lord, you say in Ezekiel 36, 26, that you'll give us a new heart and a new spirit. I need a new heart. I have lost my heart of gratitude. Yeah, everybody thinks I'm still, you know, being positive. But I, I, I need you to change my heart. And I spent some serious time crying and wrestling and praying these promises and just saying, Lord, please give me a heart of gratitude. And then that day I had, um, my parents had sent me a package and the neighbor next door had also given me a gift. And she always gives me sweet little things that I have no need of. <laughs> you know, those gifts that you pass on to somebody else because you're like, what am I going to do with this? I don't have room to store this or whatever. And that's usually the kind of things that she gives me. Hopefully she never listens to this message. Um, but anyway, that day she gave me a gift that I think will forever be precious to my heart. And this is what she gave me. It was a heart, big stone heart. I actually have it upstairs. I was going to show it to you, but here you have it. A stone heart with engraving gratitude. And here I had been wrestling and praying with the Lord, please give me a heart of gratitude. <laughs> and then I opened this package. Well, now I'm really crying. I'm like, oh, Lord, I can't believe you gave me a heart of gratitude. Okay, that means you're going to really give me, you're really going to change. And so I prayed some more, and it was just beautiful. And God just totally changed my heart and my spirit that day. And the things, you know, the things that were, that were really... Um, that were really frustrating me, that I was struggling with that day, I was, I was like able to praise God and I was able to go back and, and say, thank you, Lord, for these things. And it was so beautiful. And I thought when this happened, how God is so personal in how he, he meets our needs and, and the prayers. And anyway, 
That was such a special gift I had. I have to share because I was really, I didn't have the mindset I needed, but I was claiming his word and praying his word. And I'm like, you have to help me. I know you say you will. I've seen you do it before. You have to help me. I give you my will. I'm asking, please change my heart. And that's what happened. It was so beautiful. Key number five, learning to abide. God desires to manifest through you the holiness, the benevolence, the compassion of his own character, yet the Savior does not bid the, the disciples labor to bear fruit. He tells them to abide in him. It is through the word that Christ abides in his followers. Okay? So this is our greatest battle. Well, they work together. I mean, the battle over self, the battle to surrender, all these things work together. It's part of the package. But I really believe our, our work is not to work, but it's to abide. Because as we abide, then he can work. And then he can fill us. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. The only defense against evil is the indwelling of Christ in the heart through faith in his righteousness. Until we become vitally connected, we can never resist the unhallowed effects of self-love, self-indulgence, or temptation. We may leave off many bad habits, for the time we may part company with Satan, but without a vital connection with God, through the surrender of ourselves to him moment by moment, we shall be overcome. Without a personal acquaintance with Christ and a continual communion, we are at the mercy of the enemy, and we will do his abiding at last. So we have to have that abiding connection. Key number six, working in his power. And this all works together. But I love, I'm sharing some of the, the quotes from Inspiration. Uh, that I really find precious. All who consecrate soul, body, and spirit to God will be constantly receiving a new endowment of physical and mental power. The inexhaustible supplies of heaven are at their command. So can we run out of these supplies? Can we run out of these resources? No, we can't. They're inexhaustible. Christ gives them the breath of his own spirit and the life of his own life. The Holy Spirit puts forth its highest energies to work in heart and mind. Through cooperation with Christ, they are complete in him, and in their human weakness, they are enabled to do the deeds of omnipotence. I just love that. Such promises we've been given. I met Phil. Uh, Phil. He was a Bible worker um, working in a um, closed country and had been struggling to get into this one village to, to be able to share about Christ. But he was praying, Lord, please provide a way. Well, as it happened, he and his wife were uh, riding on their motorcycle. They stopped beside the road to buy some things, and somebody came along and hit them, hit the motorcycle. So um, the motorcycle was damaged, the other person's motorcycle was damaged, and the person that hit them was actually drunk. So he was obviously the one that was out of line. But Phil didn't respond as you or I would probably respond, you know, telling the man that you need to pay for the damages and da-da-da, getting all angry. He, he basically said, so, so how should we work this out? And how should we solve this? And the man who was drunk said, well, you need to pay for the repairs of my motorcycle. <sighs> well, who, who here? <laughs> you know, but Phil said, okay. And so... Um, he did that. He not only paid for the repairs of that man's motorcycle, he went to visit him. It turned out that man was the chief of the adjoining village um, that he had been trying to get into, and I don't know where his realization of that came in, but um, he not only paid for the repairs of the motorcycle, he went and went to visit the man and his family and asked, you know, how can I help you guys? And he actually got out in the field and helped him with plowing and, and, and cultivating the crops and doing some different things for this man, um, kind of like as an assistant servant. And the people in the village, you know, some of them asked him and said, why are you being so nice to our chief? He's a rude man. You know, why are you being so nice? And Phil told them in his own language and, and way as, as, you know, he speaks a different Country, uh, different language because of this country. Um, he told them, because I love Jesus and I want to share that love, you know, with, with him. Well, as a result of that, God opened up doors for him to give Bible studies in that village. And when I met him, he already had 30 people preparing for baptism. <laughs> and I have no idea how many people he has now. Um, but it was just amazing seeing what God was able to do because he was 
dead to self. He was just seeking to abide and, and walk and work in his strength. And as a result, God opened the doors. And this is a profound lesson. You know, um, it's difficult for us. You know, somebody hits my car. They have insurance. They need to pay for it. <laughs> you know, I'm not like, you know, just going to. But I'm thinking, what are ways that we can really exhibit Christ's love in our lives when we're slapped and when we're rebuked and when we're persecuted? How can we truly love? It's just such an amazing. You know, the Lord can do more in one hour than we can do in a whole lifetime. And when he sees that his people are fully consecrated, let me tell you, a great work will be done in a short time and the message of truth will be carried into the dark places of the earth where it's never been proclaimed. But what's keeping us from being fully consecrated? It's lack of surrender and love of self. This quote is so powerful. We cannot afford to let our spirits chafe over any real or supposed wrong done to ourselves. Self is the enemy that we most need to fear. No other victory we can gain will be so precious as the victory gained over self. We should not allow our feelings to be easily wounded we are not to live to guard our feelings or our reputation, but to save souls. Isn't that powerful? Amen. And, and we, all, we all need this. We are not to live to guard our feelings or our reputations. We're to live to save souls. Lord, please teach us what it means to abide in you. Teach us what it means to abide in your power. You know, most of us want to be known as unselfish servants until we start getting treated as servants. And then we're like, who do you think you are to talk that way to me? Who do you think you are? I mean, who do you think I am, you know, to do this or that? <laughs> we want to be servants, but practically speaking, it's difficult. And that's why we need to ask um, God to help us. And really, there's two places that, that we will live. In fact, everyone in this room is really living one of two places. And we have a tendency to go back and forth a lot. And that is self um, can be on the throne, ruling and in control and defending and fighting, or self can be crucified. Self can be dead on the cross. And the interesting thing is, wherever we choose to live, Christ is going to be in the opposite place. So in other words, if we are on the throne of control in our life, then he's being crucified afresh, right? He's being crucified afresh by our actions and our attitudes. However, if we allow him to be on the throne in his rightful position of Lord and King of our life, then we, self, will be dead on the cross. So the evidence of where we live is how we bleed, and you saw that, um, you've, we've, we've talked about this with Jason Sliger's morning devotionals. I thought it was so powerful. When you're squeezed, what comes out of you? And I've, I've been saying it differently. When you're pierced, how do you bleed? You know, do you bleed love and compassion and forgiveness and grace like Christ? Or when you're poked and prodded and pierced, does self come out? Does ugliness come out? Does retaliation and, you know... Evidence of where we live is how we bleed. Key number seven, two more keys, and we're making good progress here. Don't steal God's glory. You know, as we continue uh, to follow after him, and he begins to open up opportunities in ministry, and that's really what happened in my life. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't seeking to be involved in prayer ministry. That actually was never my idea or goal. I'm a, I'm a registered nurse. I was trained to be in the medical profession with the intent of going to the mission field. That's what I was preparing for um, and what I was seeking to gain experience for. And I believe I am in the mission field. I'm in a different mission field than I was planning to be. Um, and that is with the church leaders. Um, but my motto has become, you know, Lord, help me to be able in some way to be your hands, to touch and serve them so that they can more effectively serve the millions around the world. And so we're missionaries sometimes in different ways. But as God grows our, our ministry or however he leads us, it's easy for us to start to take pride in that. And it's easy for us to start, you know, look at what I do and what I've done and whatever. And we have to continually, back to the foot of the cross, humility, 
Don't steal the glory of God in whatever you do. Pride loves to climb up, not as Zacchaeus, to see Christ, but to be seen. Man cannot show greater weakness than by allowing men to ascribe to him the honor for gifts that are heaven bestowed. So whatever we do, let's pray that we do not steal God's glory. I love the promise of um, Psalms 115, verse 1. Psalms 115, verse 1, which says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name receive glory. There's no limit to the usefulness of one who puts self aside and makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit upon his heart. Lives a life wholly consecrated to God. Christian Service 254. Key number eight, my final two keys, keep daring to ask for more. You know I have to include that in here because no matter where we are in our walk with him, we're continually saying, Lord, I want more. Lord, please take me deeper. And this is my prayer as well. You know, we can tend to get settled, um, or comfortable in a certain level of living, but God didn't bring us here to leave us here. He, he wants to take us further, and so we need to continue asking for more. And I like to encourage people, you know, God's calling us to be like the Irish elk when it comes to Christianity. You know, there's the regular elk you see um, in different places, and then there's the Irish elk, and this elk has been kind of classified as extinct because it's so rare to see it anymore. But this is what God is calling us to be, not a normal Christian, but above and beyond Christian. He doesn't want us to be spiritual dwarfs, but spiritual giants. What elk are supposed to look like? You know, I I really don't think that we understand yet what God really wants to do in and through his people. But he's saying, just call unto me and I will answer thee. I'll show thee great and mighty things which you do not know. Now unto him, Ephesians 3.20, that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So my challenge uh, is really to just hold on and, and say, Lord, I will not let go. I want a deeper walk with you. I want a deeper experience. And however you choose to use that, you don't have to put me on the stage. You don't have to put me where people see me, this or that. I want to be faithful right where I am, like the little song goes that we learned as children. I'm willing to brighten the corner right where I am. You know, right where you are, right in the corner. Key number nine, this is the final key. Remember that heaven is our home. This world is not our home. It's heaven. And Ellen White talks very specifically about heaven. You know, the fear of making the future inheritance seem too material has led many of us to spiritualize away the very truths that lead us to look upon it as our home. Heaven is our home. And if you haven't read this section recently, I really encourage you to take time to read in Adventist Home, page 541, her description of heaven and what we have to look forward to in heaven. But I want to close with this thought. You know, we have our why questions. Yesterday we talked about growing above and beyond faith even when God is silent. I shared a little bit of some of the personal, you know, pain and, and heartbreak I've, I've gone through in my life, which is really minuscule compared with what many people have experienced. Um, but still the fact we have our questions, we have our pain. We don't always understand why God allows different things to, to happen or why sometimes he says no. He doesn't answer as we, we like. We have why questions. And those why questions the enemy is constantly going to try to use to erode our faith and to pull us away. And, you know, I, I, I see people all the time struggling. You know, you know, God has to work a miracle. He has to do this. And if he doesn't, it's like everything's going to be lost. We have to trust even if he does not work the way that we think or hope or pray. We're living in a battlefield. We're, we're dealing with the consequences of the spiritual war that we will trust him. We'll be like those three worthies that facing the fiery furnace I talked about yesterday. God is able to deliver. He's able to heal. He's able to save the life of our loved ones. He's able to save our children, whatever. He's able to do these things that we pray. But even if he doesn't, here and now, answer as we hope or pray, we will not bow down. We will not let go. You know, in heaven, all our why questions will be answered. In this chapter, it talks about, this is Ellen White's words, all that has perplexed us in the providences of God will in the world to come be made plain. The things hard to be understood will then find explanation. The mysteries of grace will unfold before us. 
where our finite minds discovered only confusion and broken promises, we shall see the most perfect and beautiful harmony. We shall know that infinite love ordered the experiences that seemed most trying. As we realize the tender care of him who makes all things work together for our good, we shall rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So here's the whole list that I I went um, over this morning, the, the nine different points. But as we are in this life, battling and praying and struggling, let us remember what the ultimate goal is, and that is heaven. Heaven is our home. And I love the promise of Romans 8.18 that says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Someday, even those unanswered questions are going to make sense. And let's just pray that God would would keep us faithful. So, you want to grow a prayer life, um, a ministry, whatever that is, if we follow these things, which specifically is just growing in our own personal walk with God, God will lead us. He'll show you. Like I said, nobody taught me how to do a prayer ministry, this or that or whatever. It just came out of my own personal time, and it's continuing. And I'm still on the journey with all of you. You know, I'm, I'm praying for more in my own life. So I pray that's an encouragement. I'm going to have a closing prayer. Um, and if there's any of you, I didn't do a drawing or hand out specific things. I have just a few books here, not much, about five or, or so books left. If there's any of you in the room that are just totally just like desperate, I need one of those books staring to ask for more. Um, come up to me. But like I say, I don't have that many of them. Um, They are available on the ABC as well. And if you can't afford, we'll try to help you do that. My goal is not to sell the books. I don't sell the books where I go. Um, But I can only carry so many books with me, so that's why I only give so many away. Otherwise, I give them to everybody. Um, But anyway, afterwards, you can come up and see me. And I'm also open for any questions about prayer ministry, if there's more practical, logistical things that you would like. Since I haven't covered that in the session, feel free to stay by and we can talk. So anyway, let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for just being with us this morning and thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises in your word and how you are seeking to grow our faith. And I just pray for each one in this room. You know the burdens, uh, the struggles, the desires upon each heart, and you know the need that each one has. And I just pray that you would meet those needs, Father, in the way that they need to be met and that you would strengthen the faith of each one in this room to hold on no matter what the circumstances of their life, but just to hold on in faith, knowing that you are working and you have even more that you want to do. So give us, increase our faith, Lord, we pray, and give us more of your Holy Spirit, we pray. That's what we most desperately need. Thank you, Father, for hearing this prayer. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And thank you for the privilege and the opportunity that we have to work with you, Father, though we are undeserving. We are all undeserving, but thank you for the opportunity that you give us. We love you, and we can't wait to see you. In your precious name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.